Hi everyone, I'm Heather and you're listening to my podcast, Simply Healed with Heather Leonard. And I am broadcasting live today with the 2022 Global Grief Conference and I'm super excited to be here. Uh, Today's episode is called Grief is Grief is Grief. And I recently ruffled a few feathers saying that comment in a group of a bunch of like-minded grief workers. So I wanted to tackle it today, explain why I ever would say such a thing because I am very aware that no two people grieve alike, no two stories are the same. And it's, you know, when you think about the, the ocean of grief and some people are in a tsunami in a paddle boat and other people are literally on a yacht cruising down the river. Um, but it's, there's a lot of commonalities. So I say that comment that grief is grief is grief because I feel as though we love excuses and reasons to make it so that our story is always an exception. Um, it's very easy to hide behind thinking that your grief is somehow bigger, um, more extreme, a, a different type than the next person's. Therefore, I can't be helped in this way. I just want to get rid of all the titles. I know there's anticipatory grief and disenfranchised grief and um, even the stages of grief. You know, you could be in depression, you could be in acceptance, you could be, you know, flying back and forth. Or I always say the toilet bowl of swirling around all these different emotions. But at the end of the day, we can help ourselves and there are people that can help you if you haven't found your match, your coach, your counselor, um, and you're speaking a different language. I just think that maybe you need to keep looking because there's someone out there for you because clearly we all speak a very different language here. I'm sure you've noticed that the last few days. Um, and I just look at it as though if we can almost get out of our own ways of just trying to make it as though our case is so unable to be helped, um, then we can help each other so much even more. So like just getting rid of all the fancy titles. And I know that can really, really offend some people who've worked really hard um, for their degrees and to be able to understand these different types of grief because they all need to be approached differently. But that's not in any way what I'm suggesting. I absolutely agree that different types of grief need to be treated differently, but I want us all to just kind of like come back to understanding that when we grieve, it can be over so many different things. So that's why I'm so excited about my guest today, Diane Gibbs. And she's such a cool lady. She has her own podcast. Hi, Diane. <laughs> it's 420 Reasons Why I Quit Drinking. My guest today has literally done just what I'm saying. And like all of us, she is still fighting that daily battle of grief. But um, the reason I think Diane's story is so cool is because it's not always just about loss. It's not just loss. And the way you and I ended up together and it's such a cool story. But I want you to tell more about um, what your podcast is all about and what you're doing. So feel free to just introduce that yourself because I want you to say it. Uh Oh, Diane, I can't hear you. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. So um, I'm Diane Gibbs. Um, I have uh, I just launched a new podcast, uh, The 420 Reasons Why I Quit Drinking. I have been sober now for over 10 years, and uh, I have been just sharing my story here and there. And I have been in the process of also writing my memoir, 
same title, 420 Reasons Why I Quit Drinking. And I recently had the opportunity, like planted in my head to start a podcast. And really in order to kind of write the book, it um, I need to have these conversations and reconnect with old friends and uh, just kind of recollect and relive these stories. And so um, I did it. I've done, I've released two um, episodes so far and I'm going to continue to release. And I hope that people, I'm here to kind of share my story so that people know that there is freedom from alcohol and you can still have a lot of fun. I was a crazy party girl and um, I, I, I started really young at the age of 12. And so this has been my life and I've been I'm still hanging out with my best friends that we did this with. And it's been really interesting to um, go through, I guess I thought I could just quit drinking and remain in it and remain in the party. And I have been doing that for a long time. Um, And more recently, I've noticed a difference and I'm feeling um, a bit of a disconnect and I, I was like, what's going on? But it's kind of, uh, it just felt some kind of separation. And then actually when I met you, Heather, when I was sharing my story about the podcast, you heard me talking and you could hear grief in my conversation. And I thought it was so cool. And I didn't get it to begin with. Like I talked and then all these wonderful people were scrolling and sharing these messages. And I took some screen prints, um, screenshots, and I came back and I looked at it. And it said, I can hear you talking grief in your conversation about the life that you once had that you've lost. And I bursted out crying. And I cried. And I cried for like two days. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's so amazing. I think grief recognizes grief in a big way. You know what I mean? Like it just really does. Cause I could feel it. Like I, I still get the chills when you talk because when you have this life that you picture in one way and then everything shifts and is different, it doesn't even matter. Like whatever the plan was, it doesn't have to be, you know, a loved one that has passed, but whatever you, everybody envisions a future And then when that all shifts, it's like, you better buckle up because, (laughs) oh my gosh, your world is shook. So when I heard you talking, I mean, and you've had grief from loss as well. Well, Yeah. And so I, after I quit drinking, um, I decided to quit drinking. I just started dating a new guy. And um, so I'm like, Hey, I'm struggling with alcohol. Actually, I told him I was struggling with dope and I go, I think I need to quit smoking pot. And he said, whatever you need. And then I got really wasted and I he played back some messages that I left. And I was saying things that you don't say to a guy that you just started dating. I was super embarrassed. And I go, oh, maybe I should quit drinking alcohol instead of the dope because <laughs> clearly there's a problem. So I, I dated this guy for a year and we just had the best time and he had gotten out of divorce and he was living like his best life and so happy. We did it together. And then um, four days before my year sobriety date, he died of a heart attack in his backyard. I, he, it, I was fortunate enough to be with him that day because we, since we were dating, no one would have called. And I was there. It was really, I, I 
had to call 911. I was the one that worked on him. I, um, a neighbor was a paramedic and he heard and pushed me out of the way. And it was just horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. So you are already giving up a lifestyle and then boom, just like that, more loss. I call this being a crap magnet. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that term so many times, I, but I just think it is. I felt, I say the toilet bowl, but I really felt like I was being flushed and just like, boy, if anything bad could come, it's just stuck to me. Like there's that time. Yeah. Like it's not surprising to me that when people say like one thing happens and then the next and then the next, I mean, I, for me, it was everything from like a toilet bowl that was clogged to a light bulb burnt out to a computer that crashed to like my credit card was shut off. I mean, after I lost my husband, it was like, boom, 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 boom. And then big things, jury duty, car crashes. It didn't stop, but, yeah. you know? So I feel that in my bones when you talk about it, because it's so easy to get sucked in that. And that's where I think mindset can set in because once you're in that mindset, you keep attracting more. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure if you and I have talked a ton about law of attraction and where you fall with that. Yeah. Like, boy, when that's what you're putting out, it's like, that's what sucks right back to you. And it can really be hard to get out of that cycle. Okay. Well, a month after Lou died, I was at a friend's. We were hanging out. Um, I had a big sales meeting with my company the next day and my friend was making dinner. Another friend joined and I'm just like, I'm not feeling so well. I'm going to lay down. And the, there was a Detroit Tigers game on and that's the baseball team that Lou loved, my boyfriend. And so I'm sitting there watching it and they're in like the playoffs and they're winning and I'm like, excited and I'm crying, but I feel really crappy. And my friends are like, Hey, dinner's ready. And I go, I'm not, I feel, I felt really sick. And I ended up like later that night going home. I started vomiting every hour on the hour. And then I had to get, go to the hospital the next morning because I had a very angry appendix and I got taken out that e later that evening. So my body oh, yeah. was just couldn't take it anymore. And I needed to stop again. At least that's kind of what I thought. I had just been, you know, they, the, the you don't know how to even go through this process. And, uh, you know, you have a week off of work and then you have to try to go back and like pick up pieces. And I was go trying, I was going, going, and my body needed me to stop and rest again because I hadn't, I needed it. And so- so cortisol, I mean, we've talked about cortisol a lot. And um, that's one of the things I focus on with my company, because it's all about looking at wellness differently and how much mindset can play in. But um, So I've said this in past episodes, but I'm going to say it again about how our physical experiences. So let's say you think about, um, you know, pizza and your mouth waters, right? So you're having a now physical response to a thought in your mind, right? So when you're stuck in this cycle of grief. And now on top of that, you end up with the sickness that has inflammation as a big part of it, right? So oh, yeah. this is really, really interesting. And I'm loving this because I love the Eastern and Western connection. And when people can really understand this, it's so much easier to work with our body and what happens. But like cortisol feeds inflammatory conditions and tumors can grow and all of these things that can happen when you have a lot of that stress hormone cortisol circulating around in your body. And so it's really not a big jump to think that you go from like something so extreme to now all of a sudden, all of these inflammatory things kicking up and like, so people that have autoimmune disorders. I mean, this is like really real 
things that if you can't get your mind and your heart to sort of find some way to settle a little bit, that constant flow and cycle of cortisol can just spike. So that's like, how do you get out of that when you're, you know, what did for you, how did you finally sort of turn that and see the light? Wow. Um, it took me a while. I, um, it took me a while. I knew I needed to do one day at a time. I was all I could manage was one day at a time after he died. Bingo. Right. Isn't that it? It's like stay in the present today because that's what you can manage. And that's, I think most people don't do that, right? They're already worried about the graduation you're going to miss or the the next wedding that you're not going to be able to have that person attend or the the things you're going to miss in the future. It's like our grief jumps ahead of us. And sometimes just staying in today is enough to just be able to get out of bed. Maybe today I can put some fresh pants on. Maybe I can you know, finally have a bite to eat. Maybe I, you know, just like the steps, those little things that just get you to the next little thing, you know? Yeah, for (laughs) sure. It was, yeah, it took a long, I had really loving supportive friends that just gathered around me and that's beautiful. could hear it. And my mom was always right there. So that makes so much more sense too, because now we've been talking about your grief along with like this, when you lose that, those friendships or feel like, you know, you're moving in a different direction, not that you've lost them, but that you're moving differently. So how it makes so much sense that that's something you've held so tight because it's really what got you through the hardest things of your life. So it scares me because I don't want to like, what I, this, I cherish it so much and just, we change and Our relationships change. Um, and, but I just, I always feel the love. And that's the thing that's the thing that always really brought me through it. Awesome. That's for sure. And uh, one day at a time, that's all. Yeah. And unconditional love is like one of the biggest things I hear over and over and over from people with grief coaching. So I do grief coaching. And I hear that same thing. And I know we've spoken on it a little bit. But um, I, I like to have people start by making lists of the things that they're grieving. And often then we jump to like, okay, those are the things you're missing. What are the experiences that you're missing? What are the emotions that you're missing? Right? What are the feelings that you miss? And unconditional love. Like for me, I mean, for me, my cat was even on the top three list of who I'm grieving, but that's because a cat gives you unconditional love, right? Animals and pets, that love is just there. It doesn't, you could like kick them down the stairs by accident and they're right back on your lap and loving you. Oh, right. Like it's like, that doesn't get any more unconditional than pet. And so like for me, that my grandmother, my husband, in each case, it's like somebody who you could mess up so many times in so many ways. And that unconditional love is still there. So when you're talking about relationships, no different, like whether they have passed away or they're just not in your everyday, you know, circle, it's the same thing. It's you've lost this feeling of that unconditional love. And I know, you know, this word all too well, but the quality time, right? We talked about the quality time because that, yeah, that's the good stuff. It is. That's really what is. I, I crave that. And, and just to realize that that is part of my issue. It's not an issue. That's just part of who I am. And I thrive 
in those kind of relationships. And, and then once I know if it doesn't feel right, like to figure it out why it doesn't feel right. And I sometimes I used to think, the, I guess I always associated the love languages with having a romantic relationship, but it's really just yeah. with who everybody with who you, you know, with and how it works best for you. And uh, so I figured that out and I've been trying to do that more one-on-one um, time and, yeah. and get back to the things I need and makes me um, feel more grounded with the people. So glad you brought that up because it makes me think of communication. A lot of people ask me about how to support somebody and boy, communication. It's like, I know I felt like nobody was meeting me where I needed and everybody was doing stuff to try to help me after I lost somebody or anytime I've been grieving really. Um, and it's because if we don't communicate it, everybody needs something so different. Some people need to be surrounded by their love people and feel like that good vibration all the time. And other people like need to retreat and have space. I was really worried about, um, you know, things like people touching things or moving things that I wasn't ready to like part with or like these things that come into your mind are kind of like, you know, they're not always sound, <laughs> to be honest. Like when you're grieving, it's all over the place. There's, you could say one second, I need you. And then the next second be pushing somebody away. And it's just kind of the rhythm of it. And so I think communicating to the circles around you of what you need, same thing with these relationships, again, that we're talking about um, for you is just letting your friends know what you need. And then it's like, people are either going to rise to that occasion and come with you, or some people might choose on their own to fall behind because they're not ready to move into that new space that you need to be in. And that's, that's hard. That's again, another whole nother sense of loss, right? So it's like, they're choosing that over the relationship that you so much want to hang on to. So that's like, I had one of my friends that said she just didn't know how to deal with it. And, um, and it, it, it hurt. It was hard. Um, but sometimes you just have to like, people have different capacities. And, and um, my friends just said, I have a hard time asking for help. And they just said, we're just going to do this every Thursday for you until you tell us you don't need it. Wow. Wow. So I was like, wow. And they, they did it. We did it for a long time. And, uh, you know, and it's interesting, you know, going and talking about the different losses. I, I just left my church that I'd been at for five, six years. Wow. I was super involved. Yeah, that's big. I was a leader there and, uh, it wasn't what I, it wasn't what it was needed to be for me anymore. And they, I'm very, um, active. I'm a doer and, um, I, I'm, I do a lot of outreach. And so I needed my pastors and the rest of people to be interested in doing the outreach as well. And it wasn't going, it just wasn't, it, we were going two different directions. And, yeah. and I was really scared that I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm choosing to do this and I'm going to lose all my friends. And, and that was just my, you know, actually it was the devil saying that. So to, you know, just to make me feel bad and try to keep me spinning. And, uh, and then 
an incident happened with the people that I thought were my friends. And it really just showed me some shallowness and some immaturity that I'm like, I don't need this in my life. And I was just even more devastated about what was going on at the church. And then the next day a friend goes, I want to come over. And I'm like, okay. She goes, yeah, I just invited myself over. And I go, well, that's okay. She goes, oh, I feel like I'm imposing. She goes, I have to go over to a friend's house before. And she called me from that friend's and she goes, oh, all these ladies are over here and you should join us. And I'm like, okay. And I went and these were all people that had come to, gone to my church before. They weren't there anymore. And just showing up there, I, the community was still there. It didn't have to be in the building, but my friends. And so it was like, you know, I was so worried about losing and that loss that God just showed me that they were still there. They were just in a different place. And I just needed to see that. I mean, and it, definitely the, the change at church is huge. And, yeah. and I actually went to a new church and started meeting people. And I met with the senior pastor and I came in and I had some things I wanted to share with her. And she said to me, she goes, just sounds like you have some, some loss that you want to share. Wow. Well, okay. I'm new and I didn't want to come off as like weepy and that my first impression, but I'm like, wow, you just tapped right in on that. I didn't even, that wasn't the approach I was coming for. <laughs> How beautiful though, that they, that they're like, you're being seen, right? <laughs> like really like people are seeing you. Well, the old church, the pastors never really acknowledged anybody and there wasn't the relationship. And here I am walking into this new church. She was the first pastor I met. I met her the second time I was there. And that's what I wanted and needed. And God heard it. And uh, I go to meet with her. And she she could hear my heart right away. Yeah, well, God knew I needed that. So he moved me from one to the next. Wow. And it was really cool. So, you know, it's still that, that the loss of that community. Mm -hmm. Um but he's building the new one and with the people that I was looking to connect with first. And so he's building it that way for me instead of the opposite. Well, not to be cliche, but it really is like when one door closes, the other one opens, right? Like what a beautiful, like a more beautiful thing was waiting for you. So the fact that you were so brave to like recognize when something wasn't meeting your needs and then step into that is so cool. You know, it's funny, like when I go back to the grief is grief is grief, because I know I really did. There was a couple of um, people in the group that had really big titles. They worked really hard for their degrees. And and I understand that I have my doctorate in physical therapy. It's kind of like if somebody strolled in and was like, I took a couple exercise classes and now I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm telling everybody how to, to, you know, fix a rotator cuff. I'd be like, what? You know, I kind of get where she's coming from, because when you work really hard and, you know, spent eight plus years getting your degree, I can understand why it's frustrating when somebody dummies it down, so to speak, and makes it sound like, oh, all grief is grief is grief. That was definitely not my intention. But I found it really interesting that when she called me out on it, she called me Deborah. I'm not going to call out anybody's name, but I, it <laughs> hit me because I said, you know, it's so interesting because we're so caught up in making sure we are clearly giving a, the perfect label to what type of grief this person is suffering from. So we can put it in this little box and make, you know, a perfect little package out of it. And then you need this and this and this as your next steps. But yet 
she failed to meet the most important need of all, which is just to let me be seen, right? Like to identify me correctly. <laughs> like, who am I? I'm Heather, Heather Leonard. I'm not Deborah, but like she missed that part because she missed the person. And I think when people miss really seeing us and our, like our insides and who we really are, I don't know, I could be missing the boat a little bit. Well, sometimes people, aren't they listening to respond? They're not listening to understand. Ooh, that's good. I agree. Yeah. Yep. That's super important. And like our own agenda. <laughs> yeah. And I, I try to make sure I focus, you know, because I'm the type of person, I have a lot of stories. So you're going to tell me your story and I relate to you by that. And sometimes I am like, okay, blah, blah, blah. And I don't mean to take over those things, but, and so that's why I'm like, oh, wait, this is their story. Let's just keep on their story. And, uh, you know, but making that relation is, is really good, but really, you know, letting the people c continue to, to to share what's on what's on their heart and and what's going on. And but you know, you asked really good questions of me, and because there's sometimes I can't explain why I feel, and it's even simple questions about like, what are you feeling today, or why are you feeling this way, and and we you know when we're in our head. We kind of get lost on that and we listen to the wrong things. And and then, you know, doing the counseling, having the conversation, going back to that communication. Yeah. It's so important. Like just to be able to say, you know, this is what's going on. I need to, you know, when after Lou had died, I, I, I drive around and I like end up places I didn't know where I was. Wow. Yeah. And I was working and I called my work friends. I'm just like, hey. And they're like, why don't you just like pull over? Why don't you, are you all done for the day? Just listen. And you just needed those people to listen. Oh, yeah. Oh, being heard and control. I feel like both those things feel like when you lose somebody, it definitely can take over where you feel like, everything is out of your control. So you so badly are like grasping for whatever you can kind of control and hold on to. Absolutely. Whew. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm taking you down a heavy place here, but I'm so appreciative of you being so open and honest about all of this because your story, you have so much to your story. There's so many places we could take this conversation because you've been through a lot of really like tough stuff and you are just such a strong lady because you're still you're still attacking it and you're still like every day putting one foot in front of the other and making big things happen for yourself like big changes yeah. you didn't let it scare you off your path which is so cool yes yeah keep on you, moving forward yeah do you feel like your podcast is helping you in the sense of giving you that voice and control back a bit yeah I, yeah, there's, uh, the podcast is a lot and, um, a lot of fun and a lot of, um, it's just opened my mind up and it, it, I'm like, oh, this is going to be really easy and it should be easier than my mind wants to make it. Cause it's just like recording, telling the stories. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's still, um, I'm still, um, you know, I'm just trying to move forward each day. That's what it is every day. Because like I said, it should be super easy. And for some reason, I put some barriers up and then I try to figure um, out why I do that and why I can't 
they just get out of my way at times. Yeah. Well, and another thing that is real easy to fall into is letting grief sort of be our new identification. And like, yes. oh, that's heavy because, you know, you, we want to break free of that so that we can really like move forward with our grief, but not, I'm sorry, my dog is going to, he's crying with you, by the way. I don't know if you can Aww, hear I'd love it. Because he can hear a person cry. This is so funny and ironic. This is happening right now. But he can hear someone crying, so he's trying to come to be. <laughs> so I'm just gonna let him in, so he can stop whimpering. Oh gosh, you have an emotional, have emotional like, support French bulldog. Yes. <laughs> I it's apologize. <laughs> I was trying to ignore him, but I'm like, I just can't ignore it anymore. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. So, um, yeah. So what I was saying, like, it becomes like an identity in a way, and it's like the last thing we want is for people to see us as weak or broken, or you know. But at the same time, we want so badly to be seen, right? So it's like, ah, I've had days where I was so emotional that I literally would tell almost like a perfect stranger that I lost my husband last year because I felt like I needed them to know, listen, I am coming from this place of like, it, I don't want to say brokenness because it's not that, but it is. I mean, it did break me. I mean, I'm in, not in that space now, but man, I wanted them to know, look, this is where like I'm coming from. I, this you know, it's almost like you just want them to see all of you. And it's hard because in a day to day, people don't don't see that or know that the average person you meet on the street has no idea what you're carrying with you. So it's like you want to wave a sign in one way so you can be like, just be more delicate with me. And then on the other hand, you don't want to be seen as broken. <laughs> you want you know what I mean? It's like this battle. Yeah. Hey, everybody, just a real quick interruption to let you know that if anybody is interested in joining the Connection Beyond Struggle uh, Facebook group that I started that is for people who are suffering from any kind of soul-crushing loss, um, it's an amazing group and some really great things are already coming out of there. So keep your eyes open in the description for a link to get your invitation to join, and hopefully I'll see you in there. Thanks a lot, and back to the show. Well, and it was interesting. So um, Lou has been gone for almost 11 years and probably about five years ago, um, I was at church and I met this woman and um, we were doing small groups and we were walking around the table seeing what the small groups were. So she said she was doing something in grief and loss. And I said, oh, tell me about your story or, you know, what we're reading here. And it was about a father who lost his son and, um, you know, and the father was trying to see if, you know, what, try to understand his faith now. And so anyways, I started kind of getting weepy and the gal's like, oh, what's going on? I go, oh, I lost my boyfriend, you know, several years ago. And she goes, oh, I lost my husband four weeks ago today. Oh, wow. And I'm like, wow, you're the lady I heard about. And so we started connecting and talking. Well, my identity because of her loss, that identity of being um, losing Lou came back to life again and it opened up again. And I didn't think that I didn't want to be identified as that anymore. And I didn't want to live in that. It was my way to help and relate to her. Mm. But it was really interesting because I'm like, I cried. This was like, you know, five years ago. And I don't, I didn't necessarily want to do it again. Mm -hmm. But, but like I said, identifying with that. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like a, I don't know. I'm, I wasn't married, but I was still like a widow. And, yeah. 
And so it came to light. Oh, this is why I don't have a man because you're a widow. I'm like, well, that's like five, six years ago. And, and so it's, I, yeah, that was a struggle for me. And I didn't want to get back. I didn't want to go back there. I didn't want to be identified as that. I wanted to be identified as who I was now and that I'd gotten through it. And, you know, and you never forget it. It is always there. And, and there's times, you know, you can always talk about it and it's wonderful. And, but after Lou died, I, he died in September. Um, I decided to do a fundraiser for his daughter for like, for money to go to um, college. She was also part of a um, Chicago's children's choir. And so they took these really cool trips. And so I did that and I did that in April. He loved the Cubs. And so we're going to have this fundraiser and then we're going to go to his favorite bar like ahead of time and have some food and then go to the game. And it didn't turn out that way. And it all got messed up and like none of his people showed up. I didn't really understand what happened. And even like his wife had been so, his ex-wife had been so thankful, <laughs> ex-wife. And she, you know, I was recognized in the um, obituary and we worked on um, putting the funeral together and his daughter and I were friends. And, and so, you know, we spent this time together and doing this stuff. Um, I just lost my train of thought. I hate it when I do this. It happens. <laughs> I know. So, but, um, oh, so they didn't, like, something happened with them. And so they weren't going to show up for, she was all excited that I was doing this for her daughter. And when the event was coming up, they called me and they're like, oh, my God, you know, she's doing something else and she's not going to be able to come. And I go, okay. It is what it is. It just, like. I just kept on going further down my hole and actually about an hour later, her mom called and said, Oh, you know what? Margaret really wants to come. And so she did. Oh, wow. It all happened. And that was all, all good. But I was so crushed by whatever happened with people not showing up. Yeah. It's hard it's to have people because, you know, and, and especially when you know they had connections and it's like, what is happening here? But that's what I needed. I needed his friends because my friends weren't connected to that. So I was in such a state. My mom goes, maybe you should try some grief counseling. I did see, I did do a one-on-one -on -one counselor and it's just like that. It was all right. And I did it for a while. And, and my mom goes, you should try this. I looked into it and God had it, the group starting that Monday. So I was able to go in and just to be a part of that Beautiful. and that support. Yeah. And it was so helpful. And, you know, so it was so much, it was, it doesn't even matter where you were at. Like I was six months after and I needed it and they were there and that's awesome. You said so many things that like I want to make sure I, I round back to. So one of them was when you were talking about this woman and how um, her grief almost made you start going down that path again and you didn't want to be identified that way. They That thing of how we are the three people closest to us. Have you heard that before? Yeah. That you are the most like the three people that you spend the most time in your day with. I don't know who ever said this or where it came from, but it makes so much sense. Um, and I started even looking at, I'm like, oh my goodness, I spend most of my time with an eight, eight and 11 year old. <laughs> so yeah. what does that say about me? But um, no, but it's true with their little personalities. I can see so much of myself actually. So, and you know, I've really been conscious of that now is like, who am I spending my time with? And what is, what am I becoming like? You know, what is this doing to 
who I am. And, you know, it really makes you start to think if you're around people who are constantly in a negative space or are going through their own stuff, sometimes that's hard because when you've got, you know, that company, it can be good because you feel like other people can relate to what you're going through, but it can keep you stuck. And stuck is sort of my thing. Like I don't, that's what I, I work on with my coaching, my grief coaching with people is just trying to get them unstuck and making sure grief isn't twisting them up and keeping them from their end goals, you know? And so if you're people you're closest to are people who are still stuck, <laughs> it's easy to find yourself there too. So yeah, I didn't want to be, I wanted to help her, but I didn't want to like, she's like, oh, she's lost a man too, you know? And, and so I just like that, I just didn't want that to be my identity. Yeah. And then you were talking about um, the other thing I related to with what you were saying was when, when it was my husband's funeral time, it was funny because we had people that had sort of bailout. It was COVID. So listen, this is again, back to like, sometimes uh -huh. it's not rational. Like I was being totally irrational. Um, I was frustrated with people who were making choices to not be at the funeral for, for health reasons even. And that made total sense to me, but I was still like a little hurt. Oh, and yeah. I can look at that, look at myself a little bit and be like, why does that bother you? I think it's funny because when we really love that person too, you want to see everyone's expression of love towards that person, especially around the time of funeral. You know, it's important. It's like, this is our one opportunity to say, hey, this person was wonderful. You want everyone to show up. Um, and so, yeah, there's definitely like, and it, we all grieve different. So for some people not being there was because how much they loved him and how wonderful he was to them. They couldn't even face it yet. Yeah. And I, it took me a little bit to have to be okay with that. You know, like I'm just, even now, like when I'm talking to my own father-in-law, I spent last night with him um, and it's, he's still so raw. Um, as soon as he sees me and my boys, tears. You know, and I know that's because he misses his son so much and we're on, we're just doing it different. You know, for me, it was like when I lost him, I had to start doing because doing kept me busy and it was not a healthy coping mechanism by any means. Like when you're just busying yourself with stuff and not facing it, that's not a good healthy thing either. But for me, it was back to that. Like I had to take it one day at a time, be grateful for that one thing that I could grab onto and see it was like, listen, there are some crappy situations going on around me and it always could be worse. Don't ever ask that question. I asked it so many times and every time God showed me like this can be worse. Let me show you how much worse. And then each time I would say like, all right, I'm finally at rock bottom. I was mad. You know, I went through all those stages of like, I'm at rock bottom. Like, show me why, show me why this is happening. And like every time there would be more. And I was like, okay, he's trying to show me how much I actually can take because there are always people worse off always it's like you can't just keep looking at it like man i'm like oh, yeah. i'm being targeted or something you know it's not that at all it's like no everybody has their challenges and the more you can rise and the more you can continue to just you know get back up on your feet again the stronger you feel anyway the you know if i was still in my bed in my pjs you know eating bonbons, I would definitely not be as okay as I am right now, but the action and like the, it helped me to get to a place where not only did I get my own healing, but now I'm helping other people to be able to start healing. And that fills me up. I didn't think anything would ever fill me up again. I kind of felt like, all right, once you hit rock bottom, it's like, all right, I've known what the good life was, but now it's over, you know, but now to be able to feel 
that joy again from helping others and seeing other people come to me and say, whoa, this was really powerful for me. It changed something or I'm looking at my work-life balance differently or like that's that's the good stuff. That stuff really fills you up. Like I don't think I even realized how how capable I was of that, you know? Well, it's It's hard to say, but everything that you've gone through and the loss of your husband has brought you to this point where you are making a difference in other people's lives and making, helping people. And it's like, you never knew that this is what you had to go through to get to, and you never, uh, who would have ever thought this is what I'm going to be doing. And the, it's such a great loss, but there's so much good coming with it. I think you might've been the one I told this is to Diane, but I want to share with everybody else um, that one of my big stuck points was like, I didn't want to do too well. Initially. It was like, if I do this really well, it's like saying to God, Oh, you were right. I did need you to take my husband away because without that, I would never have done this. Like I didn't want to make it. Okay. I know that sounds crazy, but it was like, yes. in my mind, man, am I giving him like the, yep, you were right. <laughs> And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be like, no, God, you were wrong. See this? I'm a mess without him. And I can't, like, I wanted that. But then I had to really reflect on it and be like, if that's how I hold myself, then he died in vain. It really was for nothing. Just so I can dig my heels in and say, see, God, I told you, like, what good will that be? Like, I want his life to matter. I want it to be like, okay, he passed away but maybe six people now can live a better, brighter life. I don't care. At first I was like, I just want one person. Now I'm getting greedy and I want to help more. <laughs> I want to help more people. But because with each single person that you can see step forward, it's like, okay. You just need to help one and you've helped me. Oh, Diane, thank you so much. And that I took that course yeah. and the thing, I was so worried, like, well, it was a thought like, oh, wow, this is a lot of money. It's a lot, but oh, you yeah. were like so worth my course that I took to meet you. Yeah. I didn't know I needed you, but God did. <laughs> <laughs> so the course was talking about her and I were both a part of another course that was about growing our business. Well, our own abundance, like your own inner wealth really is what it ended up being more than anything. But the connections that we made, it was a group of really open-minded people. You're right. And I thank you so much for saying that because that's the stuff, right? That's the stuff that we look for is like, Man, if you've never been able to just see someone else's life change because of actions that you've made, you're missing out. Um, I don't know. I just think that's that's the best compliment I could ever get. So thank you so much. Um, Simply Healed with Heather Leonard is the name of the podcast. And Diane is 420 Reasons Why I Quit Drinking. Um, and it's Diane Gibbs if you're looking for her. I think, Diane, are you on Spotify and Apple? and? All I'm on Spotify with the 420 Reasons Why I Quit Drinking. I'm trying to get on more. I'm still learning. And I am doing things messy because I want to get them done. And just so I just... <laughs> I'm working on it. So yeah, so I'm dropping um, podcasts on the, I'm really trying to get it on Wednesdays, but uh, um, yeah, Wednesdays. And then I'm going live central at 420. And you're live yeah. on Facebook or on Instagram? Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry. I'm going to be live on Instagram. Instagram. Okay, great. Instagram. Yes. I cool. wanted to make sure I slid all that in. So that way, in case anybody's been watching and is, you know, interested in what's happening and where they can find us and all that good stuff. But um 
And like I'm saying grief is grief is grief, but only because it means you can do this. <laughs> like that's my message here today is grief is grief is grief in the way that your story as difficult and hard and terrible as it might be, it doesn't necessarily mean that it, this is not tangible for you. It's tangible for anybody. And I truly believe that in the bottom of my heart, everybody has hope in this. And as I told you before, Diane, it's not necessarily hope. My new word is faith because hope leaves a question mark. And I like it to be like, faith is just, I believe it. I know it. It's happening. It's not, I'm keeping my fingers crossed and praying and, you know, hoping for the best. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I want to say that you've been giving me some good tools. I'm so glad it worked for you, Diane. It worked for me. And then I was talking to a friend and I shared it with a friend. I've actually shared it with several. I just yeah. loved it. And it, it's been like so impactful. I mean, I'm so glad. This is like the perfect place for us to end the segment, like on a good note, a good cry. I love it so much, Diane. Thank you so much. And thank you to everybody for joining with Simply Healed with Heather Leonard today and my amazing guest, Diane Gibbs. Once again, 420 Reasons Why I Quit Drinking. And for me, it's Simply Healed with Heather Leonard. And I hope you guys just come and check us out because we're just wanting to help. So thank you so much again for um, the Global Grief Conference for allowing us to do this today with you guys. And I hope it gave you a little, a little something good. All right. Thank you. Bye, Diane. Bye. Thank you so much. This is awesome. Appreciate your time.